This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. And we are back again with more points from my extensive lists of notes. Which is really sad because we're still only on the first page. We really are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. One of the ones that I was just looking at a second ago was that it would be good to set up a site for dance requests to songs because we stress about our own favorites and we procrastinate on doing dances for the ones that we really want to make amazing. But um, for others, for other songs, we don't really care. We don't have that investment. So it's a lot easier to just kind of put something together that sort of hits. So it might be good to have a website or just some, some centralized place where people can say, here's one of the songs that I really like that I wish there was a dance for, but I know if I try to do it myself, it's going to take forever. Uh, could somebody else do something for this? And then I'll just accept that that is the dance to it, like many of us used to when we started out. You see a dance done locally to a song that you like, and you learn it because everyone's doing that one. Uh, so kind of like a potluck sign-up. Pretty but much, yeah. It's like, okay, who's going to bring chips and dip who's going to bring soda mm-hmm. it's this is the song who wants to sign up to be the person that takes on this project right and other people who aren't invested in it um, they'll come up with something so that you can do it by the following week uh, whereas if you try to do it yourself like I said you'll second guess yourself you think you're not doing it justice you won't accept it as being the one because you did it and you are flawed therefore you know the dance is flawed yeah, yeah. so I think that would be Maybe I mean, you could even just make that as simple as like a Facebook group. So that could be something I... Yeah. That's, it's do. an interesting concept, too. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes other people have strengths that you don't. Like if you are not comfortable with waltzes or nightclub two-steps or something like that, but you know that that's what the dance needs or like what the song should match with, then it'll take you all the time necessary to learn how to put one of those together because your body doesn't naturally generate its own stuff that way. But somebody else who is very experienced with that uh, would not have a problem with that. Yeah. Might be something that you can ask um, in your interview with like choreographers and whatnot, if that would be something that they think would work or even something they'd be interested in or mm-hmm. like if it's an idea that they're even remotely like, yeah, that'd be really cool or yeah, I don't see that working out. Just mm-hmm. get some feedback. And it could also be um, like a place where you request f- specific choreographers work on it, like maybe have their contact information, and then they have a few little bullet points, like here are my strengths. These are the ones that I really like. These are the styles that I really like choreographing to. So if you have a song that fits one of these categories, then I'm probably a good person to ask about this. Otherwise, if it's something super funky and I'm really lyrical, maybe go to one of the other people who has a bullet point under their name saying... Yes, yeah, and all the funky stuff. I can always use more. That might be interesting and work better for up-and-coming choreographers. True. Than, say, actual established choreographers. Because, like, I would almost feel like me asking Rachel or Gary or someone like that to work on a song, like, I'm impeding on their life. Mm. <laughs> they don't need to do this for me, mm. you know? Um, whereas... Maybe someone like uh, Camille mm. would be a really good fit for something that 
since she has choreographed a couple dances that I actually really like. Um, and I'm sure with the fact that she's just done another one, that she's still out there looking for more stuff to work with, mm-hmm. um, that that would be a way to get more under their belt and more resume, more experience and stuff like that too. Yeah, and for somebody like me who would want to help musicians who don't have uh, a lot of exposure right now, um, if somebody says, hey, this is you know my brother-in-law's band, uh, they know nothing about dance, but they would like if some line dance were created for their latest song, or I would just like to do something at their concerts because I go to their concerts all the time. Uh, what do you think about this song? Is yeah. there anything you could put together for it? Yeah. And yeah. if you're some big established choreographer, why would you take the time to write a dance that no one's going to do for a band that no one's going to hear? <laughs> um, as a person who has a lot of free time, like me, and I have no filters necessarily on like which songs I need to make dances for, it's, for me, anything is good practice. Yeah. Um, like that wouldn't be a problem for me to do. That, yeah, that would definitely be something to consider for, like I said, um, maybe not necessarily professionally well-established choreographers, but like people, one, who are just getting into it or still just want to have a couple more under their belts. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have more selection out there to teach and expose people to as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that might be a Facebook group in the making. Oh, okay, here's another one. Increase the production value for line dance projects, but do so in a way that is focused inward on us enjoying and deserving that and not outward on impressing others. So, like events. I I think that more can be done with events. Magazines, um, like the Love to Line or the late Line Dancer magazine, uh, if if we make them... If we augment them in some way, um, not as a way of showing the rest of the world, look at us, we're amazing, come check out our stuff, but more like, you know what, we love this so much, we deserve to have nice things. So let's make some nice things for us. Um, That would be a good spirit with which to uh, spearhead new projects that support the scene. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit... It's tricky for me to respond with at the moment only because I still feel like I'm so new into the scene. I'm not sure like what one it needs or two what I can necessarily bring to it. Well, for example, little things like, uh, oh, actually, you know, um, we kind of talked about this a little bit before with Tim Ferriss saying, what if I raised my rates by like, 10 times or double or something like that on whatever thing that I'm normally doing, what would I have to do to justify that raised cost? What additional bonuses or or benefits would I need to offer to feel like I could in good conscience charge this much? I think people would be willing to pay more for events, uh, especially for the ones where they end up sold out anyway. Like, as long as something is being offered... uh, to match that that increased price. I work at these senior care communities where a lot of what they offer is more or less the same, but the dinners at some of them are like gourmet, really top-notch stuff like duck and lamb and like all these really nicely prepared 
meals. And then other places, it seems like cafeteria style. Mm -hmm. And it's you get like a box of juice or whatever. Um, I, if I lived at one of these places and could afford it, would want to pay a little bit more to have the nicer treatment. And I think that at some of these events, if you charged a little bit more per person, but could offer this much better of an experience, uh, that that would be something that I think people would be willing to do in this community. Okay, so something like, for instance, how I had the option of spending $10 more for Boogie Till the Cows Come Home and getting a dinner. Tri-tip. <laughs> Tri-tip dinner at that, yes, um, that is what I chose. Um, or I could do the $10 less and not have the dinner. Mm. I opted for the $10 more mm -hmm. and got the dinner. Right. Because I figured I'm going to be there. I'm going to need to eat anyways. Why wouldn't I want to spend $10 on a tri-tip dinner mm -hmm. with all of the people that are going to be there or just try and find my local jack-in-the-box or something like that? Mm -hmm. And if they had offered, like, pasta or something for an extra $5 versus the tri-tip, which if they hadn't offered it, uh, you know, wouldn't have been that much more. I think they're better off charging for something that costs a little bit more because you that much better of an experience mm -hmm. overall. Like you'll remember that tri-tip dinner versus pasta, which you'll forget. And like if the difference is $5, like anything, any little thing you can do to make an event more memorable for somebody uh, will bring them back next year probably. And again, this, this would be done in the spirit of we love our dancers. We want them to have the best possible time. Uh, we want them to not feel like they're just at some everyday event that they could create on their own. We want to take care of everything for them. And if that is going to cost a little more, like it's, it's only so that they can have a better time. It's not so that we can show off to the other events and be like, see how much cooler we are? Like, everyone should come to this one because you don't get this over there. And it's not showing off to the outside world either and saying, you know, we do all these fancy gourmet things, so you should come check out line dance because those things aren't really related. Mm -hmm. It would just be with the spirit of um, love and, and trying to give as much good as possible to, um, to people and just, you know, charging what's appropriate for that experience. Yeah. I mean, I know we also talked about briefly, like, what could we do that we could offer to, like, essentially we were, talk we were thinking we were doing, like, selling or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and we came up with a, a couple little, like, pet project kind of things where mm -hmm. we could offer this or that. Um, and that I think is along the lines of this topic where, like, you know, what's something that we think uh, wine dancers could use at these events? Mm -hmm. Um, I know we had mentioned um, like a calendar with all the dates already preset into it so you could look at it and be like, oh, well, on this date there's these three different events, which one would I want to go to, um, as well as like engraved name stuff, um, different things like that that we could really you know, offer up that in theory you could offer that if, you're as, if you are an event planner or manager or whatever, um, you could offer that as an extra something too. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, um, instead of, I mean, although it's easy and it's quick to mass produce the paper name tags, having something a little bit more, even if it's just laminated mm -hmm. kind of thing, it's that much, you took that extra step. Mm -hmm. 
or if we were to host some kind of event and let's say we have two colored lights that would do an okay job of covering part of the floor versus buying two more lights that would fill the rest of the floor and give people that more immersed experience, then you would look at it and think, well, let's see, $60 per light, 120 total. If we wanted to bring in, let's say, 40 people, that's three extra dollars per person's admission, worth it, you know, three dollars. No one's gonna notice that you charged them three more than you would have otherwise. Yeah. So doing little things like that where everybody benefits from the extra cost, uh, yeah, it's worth including in the price. Mm Especially if you end up paying yourself very little or nothing. (laughs) Right. Yeah, because then it all balances out. All right, let's see what else we got. Oh, yeah, I guess this is somewhat related. Uh, (coughs) One thing that Oliver's does, uh, Oliver's Market in Sonoma County, does that Mavericks could have done, and at least one of the local uh, dance groups um, could have done well is... um, creating a feedback system to engender investment in potential visitors. So when people go to Oliver's, um, they have a little box that's open and like people can, can write in whatever they, they need to you know, voice. And our previous line dance venue didn't offer that. There were a lot of things that needed fixing um, and a lot of things that they didn't do to go the extra step for their visitors. Uh, and when people feel like they have some something um, submitted to the group or to the venue, and then it's actually acted upon, then that makes them want to stick around that much more. Because uh, they feel like that, when, whenever they see that at the place or being done by the group, then they feel like that's a piece of them in it. Yes. So they want to be around to keep seeing that piece of them. So if it's like uh, going to a workshop and requesting that a dance be taught because you really like the song and you like Mm -hmm. how the dance looks but you don't know it yet, open it up for people to request that dance. If you just teach whatever you want and you don't give people any kind of choice, then it's like you're doing it for you. Well, and I know um, I know it was mentioned. I don't know how in-depth it went or anything like that, but that mm-hmm. was the whole reason why there's, like, the lobby and food in the lobby at Vegas Dance Explosion was because um, Doug and Jackie had actually asked for feedback from people of how to make the event better. Right. And that, that lobby is one of my favorite things about Vegas. It's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I loved... Um, Palm Springs is because there was that central location that everybody was at that, you know, like there was tables, there was chairs, there was just that this is this is the hub. This is where everybody meets. This is where you get to interact with people. And um, I know I probably spent more time in the lobby in Vegas than I did in any one particular room mm-hmm. um, until the night for social dancing mm-hmm. um, because like that's where everybody would come after their lessons. That's where uh, we'd all go to eat. That's where the choreographers would be. And you got some really special dancing and some really special moments in that lobby because that's where the choreographers would come to eat their lunch. 
amongst the people. And then, of course, Louis being Louis, would notice which choreographer was in the room and make sure to play their stuff. Mm -hmm. So have fun eating yeah. <laughs> in between your 12 dances. Mm -hmm. um, but that lobby, that central hub, was somebody's suggestion. Right. And that made it that much better for everyone. Um, and not that, like, you know, I was specifically, like, thought of with that, but that certainly made the experience one of those that makes me want to go back every year. And they include in their packet a survey of, uh, well, how would you rate this being important to you? Um, in fact, I wonder, I if think I have actually it. have it, because <laughs> I have everything in my line dance binder. Well, almost everything. Yeah. Let's see. Let's unzip this vault of information. Should be in the front somewhere. This is a event info. Well, a Here we go. Dance explosion. All right. Let's see what this survey entails. Um, we had a great time hosting another Vegas Dance Explosion. Thank you for your participation. To help us make sure that everyone enjoys next year's event, we'd like to ask you to please take a few minutes to fill out this two-page survey. Thanks. Doug and Jackie Miranda, event directors. Uh, please rate the following features of the event by circling a number below on a scale of 1 to 5, with 1 being the lowest rating and 5 being the highest. Westgate Hotel and Casino overall, Westgate Hotel and Casino staff, hotel room accommodations, value slash price, dance ballrooms, dance floors, variety of dances taught, quantity of workshops, workshop room temperature, that actually is important, <laughs> uh, technique workshops, repeat workshops, overall quality of instructors, evening dances, Thursday international theme, Friday roaring 20s theme, <coughs> Saturday Egyptian theme, Sunday morning praise and worship, extended lunch one and a half hour breaks, extended dinner breaks, flash mob, or have the event one week earlier in 2017. And then on the back, please circle the names of the Vegas Dance Explosion instructors, choreographers you like best and would like to see next year at Vegas Dance Explosion 2017, and then they have all the different people. What I liked most about the event, what I liked least about the event, what instructors would you like to see here next year, and other comments. That covers a lot, and it gives them very detailed information uh, down to the room temperature right. <laughs> of um, what they can do to keep doing what they're doing or do something differently next time. Yeah, absolutely. Which, again, like, it's all a matter of feedback. Right. And the biggest thing about feedback, it is very, very easy to ask for feedback. you got to be willing to take it, though. Yep. <laughs> um, and that's a big thing, you know. But um, it's really easy to have just, like, a little suggestion box. I mean, and with these events, obviously, like, they had this printed out prior, and all you had to do was circle and then hand it back to them. Mm -hmm. Um, if they did that, you know, like every event, you know, that's only going to give their chances of a successful event next year that much greater of a chance. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's, it's something that I think all venues should have, all events should have, mm -hmm. even so much as like certain classes, just in general, like your senior community, like... What'd you like? You, oh, you like waltzes. Okay, well, maybe next time we'll teach another waltz or mm -hmm. um, even of a, you know, like the floor was sticky. Okay, mm -hmm. well, I'll make sure that next time it's swept and clean before we come in or s something to that extent. It gives mm -hmm. you 
the option of fixing whatever complaint or problem that you might not necessarily be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, that would prevent someone from returning. And the whole point is to have people continue to return. Mm-hmm. I also have something here that was probably inspired by a podcast that I heard on uh, Airbnb. And lately I heard another one on how I built this on um, Lyft. I think both of those were on the, the podcast, How I Built This by NPR. Mm-hmm. Uh, build a reputation structure for the dance community for both dances, oh, uh, for dances, choreographers, and instructors. Uh, so the reason that things like Airbnb and Lyft uh, and I guess Uber are successful in encouraging people to hang out with strangers <laughs> professionally uh, is their reputation is at stake. So if you are friendly and personable and you break things down really easily for people and you get that reputation, then people who know you or you know, hear from their friends about you, they're already going to have whatever opinion they do and it's probably going to be positive. But um, if you're a stranger and you've never seen this person before, you don't know why should I care that this person's at the event, um, there should be some way that they can go online and, uh, and see a bunch of points next to their name or something. Uh, that hopefully people would be willing to contribute to, because it really all depends on the users being incentivized to um, to support that person's reputation. Yeah. So, like uh, how you have ratings and reviews on Amazon products, like stars and things like that. Well, and it's true because, like Amazon specifically, like when I'm not sure about something, I will go through and I'll read the comments to mm-hmm. be like, okay, well, did people like this product? What was their reaction? Mm-hmm. What was the general consensus as opposed to just one person's opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Choreographers, I guess, you know, having some kind of uh, a reputation system for their dances. Uh, although I guess anybody has the option and possibility or potential of altering their style at any time. Like, they shouldn't necessarily be painted with one big... Uh, stroke uh, when you have somebody like Rachel who can do anything she wants or Roy who can do anything he wants <laughs> and make it look good. Uh, there, At least this is our perception. Right. Uh, <laughs> there, there should be some way to see a person's name and know that their dances aren't going to hurt you because it, uh, it's e- equally important for the people who are putting together irresponsible steps that are going to cause you physical harm they should have some kind of feedback next to their name that says, um, maybe don't take something from this person because um, they don't really seem concerned about um, safety or whatever. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't seem... I mean, honestly, like, because I've, I've, of how many reviews I've seen... Uh, on the Line Dancer app where everybody's just five star, five star, five star. It's like people are afraid to give anything kind of oh, critical. See, I'm thinking the opposite for all the Copper Knob ones that like we love that well, are that's like they're anonymous. two stars yeah, like, that you're like, okay, did you really not like this dance? Or are you just scared of this dance because it's so advanced? That's the problem though. Is like you have, you have people who don't have to be held accountable for their uh, review or give any kind of explanation and then they'll give you the negative ones. And then on Line Dancer, it all has your name next to it. 
just like with YouTube. I think that's one of the reasons they tied people's Google Plus profiles into their usernames when they were giving reviews and comments because people were being very like abusive people and, can and get negative. People really nasty on YouTube, that's yeah. for sure. But once, pe once people are able to click their name and it takes them to more information about them, they might be less likely to get as um, you know, vitriolic about it. So if there is, oh, oh also, uh, it should be uh, tied to the reviewer what reviews they're leaving so that you can depend on looking at one person, like let's say Luann had, uh, had a profile. People could then look to her and be like, is this an instructor I should take a class from? Because she would know a lot of them. If you go to Jessie, uh, maybe if she were willing to create mm -hmm. something like this, uh, then hers would be what dances are worth doing uh, or which ones does she especially like because she's done so many that she would have a, a good taste for, you know. Uh, I actually have another note on here somewhere. Uh, yeah, vet dances through Jesse. <laughs> so that if I were to, to create some dance in the future, I should see whether she would enjoy doing it or following it because if she wouldn't, I mean, she knows enough and she's seen enough that like that says something. Yeah. And she doesn't do just everything. She could do probably Although anything. She, it certainly seems as such sometimes. Yeah, I have seen her sit out of some. It's weird. You've seen Jesse sit out of dances? Yeah, on occasion. Sometimes it's during the repeats, though. So oh, okay. Then, then it's okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I guess this is kind of related. Um, create tool for mob creation of dance, like a virtual graffiti wall. I remember back in... How many years ago? Like ten years ago, uh, there was this thing online where it was like a virtual refrigerator, where you move the, uh, the letters around, and you could like spell things. But then somebody else on their computer would be dragging the letters around also. So like how long your thing stayed was never you know, guaranteed. And there was also another one called Draw Ball, where you had like this little set of basic paints and you could make a design but somebody else could like graffiti over it so if there was something collaborative like that for dance creation uh, then people could submit you know one or two steps and then somebody else could put in a few steps and just like collaboratively mob onto a song and put something together and then you know, see how it flows. And if they don't like it, then somebody can drop in some other ones. And I don't think the dance community is the kind that would just like vandalize other people's dances. So maybe it could be done safely and sanely. Who knows? I don't know. It's a thought. Yep. But I think that would be a fun thing to see. I don't know if the dance would ever get published, though. Well, like, it wouldn't officially. have to. This would be one of those things that could just be for fun. Like, it would, it would certainly practice. be the see how many different variations happen to this dance because so many people hear different things in a song. Mm. Or yeah, like let's say you have everything configured in a certain way and you take like a little snapshot of it and at that time all the people who contributed to it, they get credited if it really matters about credit. Then, uh, and then like the next day, all the pieces of it have been swapped out for other pieces and then you take a snapshot of that and that's a whole separate dance. Mm -hmm. Or you could do it halfway and end up with I like it loud and cha-cha caliente. <laughs> Where it's not really... Anything. Anyway. Yeah, so about... <laughs> I've ranted about that enough <laughs> on previous episodes. Uh, 
to give people context, I Like It Loud is the original dance by Doug and Jackie Miranda, and then a bunch of alterations happened, and they called the Chacha Caliente choreographer unknown. It's not unknown, it's I Like It Loud with variations. Anyway, <clears throat> oh, here's something nice and happy and healthy. Yay! A note that says, line, dancing, uh, line dance is like dressing that you bring to flavor life's salad. Because, I, I mean, normally salad can be kind of like bitter and you, like, you know it's healthy. Just like doing like walking in place. Let's all walk in place. Now let's lean to the left. Okay, let's walk in place. Let's lean to the right. That's a very boring exercise program. But when you set a beat to it and you call it a dance name, then it can be fun. And it's and still salad, but it's flavor. <laughs> I mean, um. <laughs> Depending how much flavor you add to it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's true, I guess. I think of it more as I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to think of it this way. And I know that given that it took me 30 plus years to get there, but I think of line dance as life, hmm. not just the spice to life. Hmm. Well, some people consider salad to be life, so. <laughs> they don't need the dressing. Yay, rabbits. I mean, um, <laughs> I actually like salad a lot. So. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know, there was something that I was, I was reading on Reddit uh, about not thinking that everything is ever going to be perfect. Like when you, when you. Oh, it was it was in the Simple Living subreddit where I, I think they were saying like you're never going to reach that perfect moment where everything is arranged just so, because you're always swapping out things. And trying to ha have more sleep or more tea, and then, oh, I'm having too much tea, I need to cut down on my caffeine. And if I sleep too much, then I'll, I'll miss out on doing this, so I have to like, like, it's always just suited for whatever moment you're in. And then later on, when conditions change, you need to change what you do to adapt to that. Mm -hmm. And the analogy they made to, um, to that was like a garden where no one year is the year. Like that was the year that I gardened and everything went perfectly. Like you, you do the things you need to do for that season and then the season ends and you start preparing for the next one. And then you do the best you can with the amount of rain and sun that you get and sometimes it works out really <laughs> well but you can't do the same thing every time. Um, I.e. our prep for Vegas versus our prep for Big Bang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. With, with dance, I guess it can be similar, where like you think you have it all figured out, you've got all the dances that are, are necessary for you to learn, and then somebody comes along and invents you know, some new step or whatever, or um, yeah, like that, thing, that arm thing that Guillaume does in his, where he does like the, the arms pointed, he almost looks like he's gonna dab, but he never puts his elbow to his face. Like, Things that you'd never seen before. You're like, okay, well, I guess I got to learn that one. And then jump shot. Jose has like the kicking out the legs, mm -hmm. and then you find out about these classics. Like, apparently everybody has known them forever, but you didn't even know they existed. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, I'll do the best that I can for this event. And then the event comes and goes, and you didn't learn all the ones that you were hoping you were going to. But you know what? You got like eighty percent of them. <laughs> right. So. We'll take those into the next dance event, and you know 80% of those. <laughs> and you just keep doing that. Hopefully. Um, yeah, and, <laughs> and it's never perfect, 
Um, maybe you finally do uh, get that dance request played that you were hoping would get played, um, but it's after you've already rolled your ankle. So <laughs> what good is it to you that that dance was played? <laughs> like, so many things can happen. This um, is true. And, and you just kind of have to appreciate it the best that you can for you know, whatever the crop yields that year. So yeah, related to life solid, I guess. Okay. Uh, oh, here's another plant analogy. Uh, growing a scene is like planting seeds or starters. Uh, starters are like the things that have sprouted from seeds that are just in a little pot. Growing a scene is like planting seeds or starters that work everywhere, like the core universal dances, like we were talking about earlier with wobble and watermelon crawl, things that are done everywhere. Um, but local culture must be added later to stick it with that area. And that's where you get things like All Shook Up, which isn't really popular anywhere else, but because people have local things that they do at the grad and Stonies that are unique and that they know that they've added themselves to it, they don't want to let that dance go. Nobody really added anything to Fly Nates or Tumbleweed. Uh, and when those aren't played anymore, they don't feel like they've lost anything. But they know that if they don't request All Shook Up or if All Shook Up isn't done, they don't get to do that extra kick thing or the knees, the, the knees, yeah. Like, uh, if you are starting a scene at some new place, like we attempted to with, say, like Lakeside or whatever, uh, you still need that element that the people bring to it that not just some robot doing it vanilla could have done. Uh, so, yeah, the core dances are fine. Like how I started out at Brookdale um, with the basic bar dances and I just modified them, but I did want to eventually swap them out and I am little by little swapping them out mm -hmm. uh, because I, it doesn't seem like the best suited or most appropriate playlist uh, for that group doing dances that they have no personal attachment to. Those were the best ones to start them on because those were like the ones that I figured could be beginner and that was before I knew a lot of like classic beginner dances in the circuit. Uh, but now I am getting to the point where I can cater more to what yeah, they would like. Yeah, yeah, like what kind of music do they like? What kind of movements do I know they like? And that can be truly their class, not just a beginner class that anybody could teach because it has wobble and keep a shuffle or whatever, but it's their specific class with dances they like. You gotta have that local culture or they won't feel invested. Yeah, I mean, and there's certainly something to be said about, um, I mean, starting with that core being, you know, like you said, Cupid Shuffle and whatnot. Mm. Um, it helps. It really does. Because one, that's, that's a dance that, granted, in your specific situation, probably this doesn't qualify, but like, for instance, mine, um, if they ever want to go somewhere, mm -hmm. they have that knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, but then making it uh, something where, for instance, like you taught club new flow. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that obviously like we learned. We know it's a bigger dance out there. The people know it. Lots of people do it at these big circuit events. But not a lot of people around our area mm -hmm. do that dance. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's something special for just us kind of thing where we can go someplace and potentially request it, it get played, and the group of us be out there doing it together. It's a shared experience more than just a, 
we learned it together, too. We get to actually do this somewhere else as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think is important to have that that bonding. Same thing where you said, um, I think it was, uh, I can't remember how many semesters ago, but barn burner. Oh, right. That you was just like, last spring. That was like, that was such a challenge to learn that it like had that like bonding experience for you and all, everybody who learned it. Tia, just Tia. Oh, it was just Tia. <laughs> she brought it and, and said like, well, you learn this. Nobody else was willing to learn it. Yeah. So, but like to go through that, like that gave you guys that connection that again, if you did this on a larger scale, has that, you know, local community feeling to it, um, you know, because you guys struggled through it. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. This was somewhat related to both what we were saying about feedback and um, augmenting things like magazines uh, with higher production value. This was also probably written when Line Dancer magazine still existed. Um, but I have a note here that says, my generation wants to comment on everything. <laughs> Line Dancer magazine format seems to, or feels too walled. And I think uh, <laughs> it, it just it was a product of an older time where it's sort of like um, how television has gone from this is, this is what your program is. We are just going to deliver it to you, and that is it and there will be no discussion about it, this is the show. To, here's the hashtag you can use to talk about this on Twitter. You know, share your thoughts on what we've just shown you. Vote for or this vote person. Vote for this person, yeah, like American Idol. Uh, and it didn't seem like there was that much interaction uh, with things that were as static as something like Line Dancer Magazine. So now with things like Facebook, where you can have your say very quickly, uh, I think that just going forward is going to be, that will continue to be how things are. And I, I really wish the comment section on something like Copper Knob was more lively because mm-hmm. I know that it's there. I have never looked at it for like serious conversation about a dance. It's just kind of there. Well, and I know, um, I'm going to butcher his last name, but um, the DJ Mark for uh, the UK radio station. Oh, Guichard, yes. Guichard, okay. Um, he does a really, really good job of responding to the Facebook comments as he's doing the show. Oh, yeah, in real time. It's and amazing. It's, it's, it's like a chat room almost. Yeah. It's, it's just it's, a comment thread. And <laughs> it, it makes and the most of it. It's a lot of fun um, to not only see him responding on the comment thread, but then when he, like, calls out certain things or references certain things, like, it's really cool. It makes you feel a part of it, mm-hmm. even if all you're doing is checking in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and it's say, recorded like, I'm forever. I'm listening. Yeah. Um, whether you're giving feedback to something else, like that's really cool too. But like having people that are willing to engage back helps build it too. Yep. So like, um, I know it's one of the reasons why I actually really like listening to him um, is because of that fact. Like he's very involved in what's going on and I feel like he makes the point to like give shout outs to people who comment or, or whatever, mm-hmm. which um, it, it's funny how little of an effort that is, but how huge of an impact it makes. Definitely. So like stuff like that is something to consider when you're looking at other things as well, whether it be, you know, starting up a new page or like, again, like, you know, Line Dancer Magazine or whatever, like having something like that 
having people able to give feedback and hear that their feedback has been recognized more than just like, oh, let's vote for this person. Like, you know, if you have someone be like, oh, yeah, thank you so much for so-and-so for your response. Um, looking forward to this or something like that or asking them a personal, like, maybe not a personal question, but like a specific question to them that like only they get that question and they can respond to and then you like call notice to it. Like, it's just a little way of, of keeping people feeling like they're being validated for their opinion, mm-hmm. which is 90% of the reason why people give their opinions in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so. Hmm. Uh, let's see. What's another one on here? Uh, the playing of a song at a club. This is a little more abstract. The playing of a song at a club is something like a crisis situation arising where everybody becomes equal and only their response to the crisis is what matters, not whatever they were off of the dance floor. So it's like those, like, quote, 9-11 moments where, you know, everyone was made equal in the dust. And, uh, you know, if there's like a nightclub fire or something, then hmm. how you respond to it in that moment is more important than how much money you make or, you know, who you gave a weird look to on the subway or anything like that. All that stuff goes away. It's really just in that moment how you respond to what's happening. And that's one of the things that seems to equalize us, you know, in line dance is uh, how you act on the floor is more important than whatever it is you do or what political opinions you have uh, most of the time. Because if you're able to share space and uh, you know, not goof off and whatever uh, in, in a harmful manner on the dance floor, then people know that they can trust you and that you are acting as equals for at least three or four minutes. And the more dances you're able to do that for, the more you establish that. Yeah. Cross that one off. That's true. Plus, like, I mean, it, and it really all comes down to just floor etiquette and being considerate, but, like, you know, helping people as opposed to, like, discouraging them to get off the floor kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it brings them into the circle as opposed to pushes them to the outside, mm-hmm. which then makes them feel a part of it. Mm-hmm. Also, it's... Uh it's got that element of urgent response as well, where you don't know when it's going to happen, but then you want to be ready for it, like preparing for an earthquake or something. Like you do what you can on your own time to be ready, and then once it happens, like that might be the only time it's played all weekend. Right. So like, were you ready for it? Yeah. yeah. Also, just to get this negative one out of the way, uh, I had something here that I'm very happy to cross out quickly. It says, as the risk rises of a mass shooting in a dance environment, there must be proportional rise in safety guarantees. And I think I must have written that following um, one of the events from 2016. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, I'm really happy that line dance hasn't been touched at all by that personally, like directly. But um, That I'm aware of anyways. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, at Saddle Rack, seeing that like tunnel full of security people before you even get in, <laughs> right. I was really, I, I, that was comforting to see because I knew that no matter how drunk or whatever anybody got in there or whatever fight people had in the parking lot, we would be safe inside. At events, it's something you can easily take for granted because it's events. Uh, but with like a bar, you never really know because Kodiak's had its fair share of drama mm-hmm. and conflict. And I'm glad and that we were kept safe. I know that the, in our um, ideal venue, I've, I had mentioned it, um, how 
I love how you never really know. Like, I mean, it's got to be more than obvious um, at Stoney's mm. when something's happening. Because mm-hmm. you don't see it. Right. Like, they're so good about handling any type of security stuff at Stoney's that... I feel so safe there that I don't feel like I necessarily have to be at 100% aware of my environment at all times. Mm-hmm. Whereas, unfortunately, at Mavericks or at KJ's, it was always a big thing. Like, everything stopped. Like, it felt like even the music got paused almost when some big, huge brawl happened or whatever. And, like, everybody was aware of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, having, having the talent to be able to diffuse the situation and it not affect the patrons is huge. That I, I've always really respected about Stoney's. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, it, it's important to have that security and that comfort level when it comes to events or even more specifically bar scene. Because events, like... It's so equalizing just walking through the door at events. Like, you wouldn't want to harm harm this person any more than you would your Mm great-grandmother, you know? Hmm. I have one note here that says, new stock photos of line dance events, not Footloose. Because everybody uses that one. I was noticing that today, even. I was commenting like, oh, look, Footloose. Wait, didn't I just see this event? No, this is an event in Florida. What was that last one? Washington. Wait, (laughs) what? (laughs) Um, Yeah, there is more than just that Footloose kick picture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it would be great to have a photo shoot or something where people have more stock photos to choose from of what line dance looks like than that. Yeah. Especially with the fact that not everything is the country bar, country boots stomping. Yep. Like, I mean, it's cool because that's a great, it's a great photo, without a doubt. But it's also several years old and massively overused at this point. Yeah. Um, it's, I know we've mentioned it before. It's one of my favorite things about Camille and Bex. Hmm. Like, her flyers are always different. Mm-hmm. Always engaging, always relevant. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've actually seen the, the boots picture with her yet. Hmm. So. Speaking of which, uh, I have one note here that says, what, uh, what's the, what does the hardest worker in the business look like and what work is done by that person? Like I know Rachel, for example, works very hard. I know Gary takes on a lot of different roles. Like he's able to be a DJ and a choreographer and an instructor, etc. So... Oh, I'm hands down going whoever the technician is. Mm. The one person running from room to room to room to event to speaker to DJ to setting everything up to tearing mm. everything down. Like, whoever that individual is, is definitely the unsung hero. But and I think that simply comes from all of my years of stagecraft. <laughs> true. So that, that would be hardest worker at an event. I wonder what overall... Like the person who has to be their own agent and their own salesperson, mm-hmm. like all those other things. Like what kind of what kind of work what what's the most amount of work a person could do as a line dance personality? Oh, I don't know. That's that's a tough one. Yeah. 
Yeah, because now that you mention it, I wonder how much tech work Rachel has done as compared to somebody like Louie, or even Will, like helping out at Vegas. Will. <laughs> Definitely an unsung hero for Vegas. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and think about how many hours like Louie and JP have to spend just prepping all of the music for all the choreographers, mm. making sure they have the right versions of everything and the playlists sent up and like prepped for whatever... Um, workshop lesson is going to happen that morning to then switch to whatever music's going to be played that night and make sure that the right dances are played on the right night so that people who review who took the lesson in the morning can then review the lesson later hmm. like and make sure like they have all the the music right for the demo dances and like i mean there's a lot of stuff that goes into these events that a lot of people don't necessarily think of because you know automatically we we can recognize for instance how hard someone like Rachel works mm -hmm. like she travels all over the world she learned another language mm -hmm. uh, just so that she can teach and she choreographs gosh knows how many hours a day and she you know she had to get good at teaching somehow you I mean yeah there are people who are pretty good at it naturally but like to be that good, mm. that's that's work. Mm -hmm. But that's also all the forefront. Mm. You know? Let's see. I've got one here that says, we dance people don't have anything to say about our day jobs, or as much to say about our day jobs, but we have so much to say about dance. And then I have, for some of the listed names, Crystal Elliott and uh, Alex, or Alexander. I don't know if I have much more to say about it than that, but I think that is interesting that like there isn't really much that I will casually bring up in conversation about what I do income-wise, but I have lots of dance thoughts. See, and that's, that's a little bit different for me. Like, obviously, like I talk a lot about dance, but I also talk a lot about my kids. Mm. I love my kids. Like, and I think that has to do with what I do mm -hmm. for and a living, though. To clarify for people who are just tuning into this <laughs> one and only episode, um, what is it that you do? With I, I work with um, at-risk youth at a dual treatment facility, which is a live-in residence for ages 14 to 18. I am a youth advocate. So, but with that said, you know, like what I do, I feel is so important that I don't mind sharing certain things about my career um obviously i'm more inclined to speak of dance um especially seeing that uh, i will be teaching my kids dance starting on wednesday um, i've obviously spoken quite a bit about dance at work for them to want me to now teach them hmm. so but again I, I i feel that that's just because my particular employment is so necessary and so important out there. And I don't know if a lot of people are aware of it, that mm. it is a huge problem. It is a huge thing right now mm. um, that, you know, like we have such young individuals going through these life situations. Like, mm. But yeah. It is pretty common for the dance populace to keep pretty much the dance. Yeah. 
it's, it can be safer that way. And I actually have a note here that says uh, choreographers are lauded for their present movements, like what they're doing right there in front of you, whatever dance that <laughs> is, not their abstract spoken thoughts. So interviews risk polar alienation. The more that they say, the more at risk they are of saying the wrong thing. <laughs> True. Whereas if or they saying just, the right thing just in the wrong manner. <laughs> or to the wrong person. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Or wording it really, really not how they meant it to sound. Mm -hmm. I love you, Kat. Yeah. So, like that can be um, that can be one of the reasons why people don't bring up much of their outside world stuff to yeah. dance venues. They can just be who they are there in the present. Well, and I mean, there's a lot of stuff to be said um, outside world-wise. Like, I don't talk much about my personal life with people. Mm. I occasionally talk about like what I do for a living, and I'll share stories with that and discuss topics on that but like as for me as an individual I tend to keep pretty private about that kind of stuff unless it's like few key people who just so also happen to be in the dance community here's an interesting one I've got is there drunk yoga no make mindful line dance take it seriously while keeping it fun and I guess that must have been a reaction to how there's so much crossover with like country bars and line dancing that it's accepted that you get drunk and then do line dance, whereas you don't get drunk and do yoga. Typically, it's not seen as what's done with yoga. So if you had a specifically mindful line dance practice like Tai Chi or Qigong or something like that, then it can develop that association of what does my body feel like in motion, in space? Um, and less of, you know, I'm just uh, end of the week gonna get drunk, <laughs> kicking my heels up. Like that's something that people do, but like nobody sees yoga as being that. I'm gonna get drunk and stretch. Like what? <laughs> that <laughs> sounds like an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> Especially with some of those poses. <laughs> no, um, I know me personally, in getting deeper into the line dance world um, and starting to like really want to be a key member or ingredient in making the line dance world a better place, mm -hmm. um, I've become more aware of how I present myself and things that I want to show. Um, I don't feel the need for some of these things anymore since I have a greater need to do something else. Um, so kind of like, for instance, so we were talking about like the dancing and the stomping and the aggression dances. Mm -hmm. That's not where I'm at in my life right now. Yeah. I don't feel that need. Um, I don't feel that desire or anything like that. And like one of the biggest things I always say, which is actually something I've heard you say on more times than I can count is drinking throws off my walls. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't need the drink to go out there and have fun. In fact, it actually almost hinders me more to have the drink and go out there because I'm not quite in control of what I'm doing. Makes me less or confident. It, makes, it almost makes me a little bit more tired and a little bit more self-conscious yep. because I'm like, am I being sloppy out here? Mm -hmm. um, even after one, which is like, you know, typically you're, you've danced off <laughs> before it's even hit your system. Mm. Um, but... I look at drinking now as like it is certainly not something I need, 
when I'm dancing. Right. Now, having the occasional drink, that's a whole different story. But like while I'm dancing, while I'm at an event or while I'm at this particular thing, that's just something that where I'm at in my life just doesn't cross over. So, I mean, as for other people, I can't speak to it, but it's just something that doesn't occur to me anymore. There's one thing here that was right above it, and I accidentally started to cross it off. Um, so I, I guess, guess now I have to say about it. it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't necessarily uh, related, but I have a note that says, Be still to see the translucent film that drapes across everything between moments and how it marks subtle static changes in place. So it's like when you stare really hard at a tree or a field or something, and it doesn't seem like anything's moving, and then all of a sudden, like, a bird moves, and it, like, tears <laughs> that, that hole in what you were looking at. Or, like, when you stare at something long enough, and then you close your eyes and you see the afterimage. Uh, if you're still, then you notice what isn't being still, like your heartbeat or your breath or whatever else. So... I guess we can relate it to dance uh, in the sense that when you do those slower dances that you feel like you don't have time for as a country dancer early on, like when Skinny Love was my first slow dance, uh, I, I experienced much different physical uh, movements than I would have if I had just been going full blast through all the ones I was used to. That's so, certainly true. Yeah, so taking that time... Even when you think all the dances you want to do are the hard-hitting ones, taking the time to try one of the still slower ones, you'll learn things about yourself and you'll see things that you didn't see before. Um, so just taking that moment of stillness, uh, you can notice subtleties. Yeah. And then your, your perception broadens. Before, like it's like if you look at a rainbow and all you could see was like blue because that's where you live that was your jam was blue and then you start to slow down a little bit and now you're starting to see green and then you slow down further and you can see yellow and like you slow down all the way to red and it's just like very few things live in that space uh, but now you can see them and before they weren't even on your radar that's definitely a, a, a very valid notion because, um, again, like I said, like pieces allows me to go so deep and really just get lost in the movement and the song. Mm -hmm. um, but something else to kind of like sort of go off of that is to stop every once in a while and just breathe. Mm -hmm. Whether it be in life or in dance, like it's okay to sit that one out and kind of just like assess where you're at and like see who's on the floor and maybe watch somebody else for a moment as opposed to being so into you and yourself um, because then you might realize that, you know, like, oh, wow, I've never seen Kat do this dance before. Wow, she can really move in this dance. This mm -hmm. is a lot of fun or, you know, something like that. It also allows you to kind of like, I guess you can interpret it as stop taking yourself so serious as well. And, I mean, like, you learn when you let go of what other people think of you when you're on that dance floor, what a freedom that can be. Mm -hmm. And you learn a lot about yourself in those moments too, that like originally you might've been like, oh, I can't do that extra turn. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you stop, take a moment and be like, 
what does it matter if I can't do it? Let's try it anyways. Mm -hmm. So just something to think about, all different kinds of facets. I've got five or six on here that I've already marked. Maybe it's seven. <coughs> um, and then I think after that we can take another break. Um, well, we're almost to an hour as is. Right. Before I mark any further is what I'm saying. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Here's a really quick one. Um, at the time, I wasn't doing as much with the podcast, if anything. And I wrote here, I go out looking for line dance news, but if I write articles, I can make it myself. Like with Line Dancer Magazine, which probably still existed at the time, um, I didn't really ever see it as something that I could contribute to. Uh, and when I would go out looking for line dance articles in the greater internet world, it would be like some local news station saying, here's a senior class that's coming up, and here's an interview with the teacher. But like, there wouldn't be anything about the circuit events or anything like that. And then I'm like, wait a second. What if I wrote articles <laughs> and submitted them to the local Las Vegas newspaper or whatever? True. So I guess that's, that's something I can cross off as Be something the change. I'm sort of doing. That's right. <laughs> Be the change you want to see in the world. Um, Let's see. And then uh, line dancers seem like oh seem fringe, like internet and mobile users, until it becomes mainstream. One of the things that we used to see was how only certain people used cell phones, like professional types or whatever. This mm -hmm. is like talking the 90s here. Uh, and only certain nerds and whatever used the internet. Everyone uses the internet because everyone has a phone. <laughs> right. And everyone has a phone, so now we're talking about everybody that we just mentioned. Uh, right now, line dancers seem kind of fringe, but uh, if it does eventually become something that is just accepted, like everybody has a couple line dances in their belt, like uh, Cupid Shuffler, Electric Slide, or whatever, but maybe you know, beyond those two, um, then they won't seem like the nerds or the weird things like internet users were or business people like cell phone users were. Uh, Nerd is now mainstream. Yeah, well, <laughs> depending which fandom you're in. Some more are more accepted than others. And if, it's, if your fandom has a television show, then that gives you a lot more street cred. If you True. have a shirt in Hot Topic, then you almost seem beyond nerd to the point of sellout. <laughs> so maybe, Go Disney. <laughs> right? I have another unrelated note here. Um, study how to build a dance product that will later be bought by Disney. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. And then it would be, <laughs> instead of line dance, it would be like D dance. So they can market that as with like Disney, Disney branded with the D logo. Yeah, yeah everything. Um, I also have, related to the fringe thing, I've got line dance will succeed through transcending words because ASL cues will transcend divided language and people will develop word fatigue from social media. This is something looking like way into the future, but the more that people have to read, uh, then the, the more that they will get sick of words. And the more that people have uh, exposure to other languages, the more they'll wish there was one language. And you can kind of see ASL creeping into more people's awareness. Uh, eventually, maybe, um, that'll become more of a universal language at, uh, because of its ability to uh, cross over into different like national boundaries like you don't you don't have to worry about it um, being uh, as specific to like certain people's uh, phonetic upbringing like whether it has the right uh, whether people are used to making those sounds with their mouth because anybody can move their arms in whatever way uh, if they have arms so uh, 
I think line dance will have that same strength looking way into the future because you can teach somebody a dance without ever saying anything. You can make sound effects and you can use international music. Like yeah. Ira Weisberg uses all kinds of foreign language music. And you might never know what the words are, are supposed to mean, but if you like the dance, you're going to learn it. Yeah. Well, and like I was telling Dolly just a couple of days ago, she made the joke of that she could only count to three. And I told her, well, that's fine because half of the really big name instructors nowadays, you half of their counts or step descriptions are sound effects anyways. Mm -hmm. So, you know, three is a, is a pretty good number. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've got a, num uh, uh, a, a number. note here. Uh, every dance, let me know what you think about this. Uh, every dance can have peak experiences of it where it's done by top talent or with the highest production value or has individual meaning for the specific dancers doing it. Every time it's done after that peak feels lesser. So, for example, the people who did One Reason when it was demoed through with Guyton, Roy, and Fiona, for them, that might have been their peak expression of doing that dance. People did, who did Sound of Silence at the Crystal Boot Awards, that might have been their peak, and every time after that is like an attempt to recapture that feeling, but it's never as strong. And it's, there's no guarantee that, one, that the reason I have here uh, has individual meaning for specific dancers doing it. It's, it's a way of saying that um, there's no guarantee that just doing it with a hundred other people is going to be your peak. You might have one night in the rain when you do it with four of your friends, and that's the peak experience of that dance that you will ever have with it. Um, which is not to say you shouldn't just keep doing it afterwards and be you know, content with however that feels. But I know, I, I know that there have been times I've done like the mashup with Keith, and... We, it's been peak moments. Yeah, definitely. And like, if we've done it since then, it's still fun and enjoyable and everything. But, uh, but like, there's no recapturing that one time that you did it at that one place with mm -hmm. that person or people. Yeah, um, I mean, I I think there is a large amount of that that is extremely accurate. Um, as for it being lesser, I'm not sure if that's necessarily going to always be the case. It might just simply be different. Mm. Um, a perfect example would be um, how I felt demoing Keep It Grooving mm -hmm. with Joe. Mm -hmm. Like that was amazing. Like that feeling, that sensation, the nerves, the everything. That was just, it was such a moment. But now when I dance it, I can immediately go back to that memory and almost relive it, mm -hmm. but it's different. Mm -hmm. It's not the same, but I don't, I don't necessarily consider it less because now that I have that memory and that experience, I mean, maybe it's because it's also been so, so, you know, so little time in between when I did that and now, I mean, it's been a month, mm -hmm. um, that it's still really fresh, mm -hmm. that maybe in a year from now it won't be. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm able to each time I dance it, remember those feelings, and like it almost like refloods my system yeah. with that same nerve, and like I almost like I remember turning, and I remember seeing you at the camera, and then I remember turning again and seeing uh, Jen and Jacqueline over in the corner, and then I remember turning again, and you know like I remember eye contact with people as if I was there in that moment, yeah. even though that's not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. um, 
So as for it being lesser, certainly with certain dances, like once you get it, like that experience, you're like, it's cool. It's good. It's fun. I had enjoyed the dance, but it will never be like that again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a good example for that for you would probably be when you got to demo. Fun and feel. This is the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, for me. with Rachel. Yeah. Like, that's probably a perfect example of that because that is a peak moment that, like, everything just lined up perfectly. Like, what are the odds? You I don't know. even remember. Like, I can't, I can't even take myself back to that because it's like I blacked out for a couple minutes or something. Right? Um, but, like, for instance, like I, I was referencing with, um, with Joe, like, I also had in that same day, I had clap, clap, clap with Amy in Palm Springs. Well, then I had also had clap, clap, clap with Amy in, at Big Bang. So it was like they were both very different experiences. They were both amazing experiences. Um, now, whether maybe I maybe in that particular case I haven't peaked, hmm. I haven't had the peak experience, but like I would consider both of those as equal experiences, hmm. both cherished memories that I will like. I almost feel like I'm never going to get the opportunity to get again mm-hmm. to experience. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't stop me from every time I do that dance or even see that dance being done. Um, I think Jennifer and Jacqueline actually just sent me a snap a couple days ago of, it, of clap, 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 and it immediately flooded my system with the, oh, yay, it's the dance, you know, it's Amy's dance, it's my happy dance. Like, so it's just this flood of emotions, even just watching it, let alone dancing it, that I can experience. Um, but again, like I said, there are certain dances where, like, I nailed it that one time in this one place that's like, no, that was what I was practicing that dance for. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the moment. That is exactly what I wanted to achieve. If I never do the dance again, it's fine. Yeah. But um, there are those other dances that I think it's just a matter of like, you know, it's going to keep giving me that that hit. Mm. So. Let's see what the remaining ones are on here. I have one that says, oh, well, that one probably, both of those are big questions. (laughs) All right, here's a a quicker one, I think. Uh, Dance pollination is a job. (coughs) Uh, Create a hive to collect the honey. (laughs) So I guess the idea behind that is that if you want a, a dance to succeed, then you need it to be taught by other people um, to a lot of places or you need to be the person who teaches it in a lot of places or you make it available for other people to be exposed to it in a lot of places and that would be the pollination aspect and if you are able to create your own hive like your own class or your own event uh, where you can expose a lot of a lot of people to it all at once then you will be able to c- receive more honey I guess yeah. um, as opposed to if you have no hive, if you have no one to teach, if you have no opportunities to expose anyone to it, then no one's going to know yeah. about it. No one's going to do it. You'll see a greater result for the more people you can push it out to as right. opposed to. But it's got to be like you can't just like throw it out there and be like, here, new dance. You have to really like put effort into it and mm-hmm. attempt it and like push for it, I guess. And sometimes other people create very well manicured and maintained hives like major events if you have access to their hives (laughs) then you have many more pollination opportunities Mm -hmm. and 
people who have a, a, a well-established reputation of creating worthwhile dances that should be pollinated out there, uh, they are the ones who are given access, and rightly so. Yeah. Because um, the event managers can trust that whatever it is they bring to the bees in that hive uh, will be something that's good for all of them. All right, so yeah, as I said, that was a quick one. We have two other slightly bigger ones here. That's okay. Let's um, go ahead and do it. Along the bee theme, <laughs> <laughs> I have one here about florists. Um, what would a worldwide destination artisan line dance experience look like? This might include a florist, lights, sound, and separated areas so that each person can have their own space. Like, if you had a place like a spa almost, like one of the big fancy places in Napa or Calistoga, where you have the best personal experience you can, like almost like Line Dance Island, like we were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, if you had uh, a central location where you could have the best line dance experience, what sort of things could that include? Um, Besides Joe? Man. I mean, um. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. <laughs> right? <coughs> I think concert concert level of um, lighting, synchronized lighting, would be huge. I would um, love to see that. A good floor for sure. Yeah. Sound system. Those those are some like key ingredients just in general. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of like the idea um, since this is fun fantasy style. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like the idea of what the Thailand event next year looks like. Oh, the all-inclusive. The all-inclusive. Um, it's at a resort. From what I've seen of the pictures of the resort, um, it's gorgeous there. Hmm. Like, absolutely stunning view outside the windows kind of thing. I was about to say, like, even if, if we're looking at florists, then we'd probably want some place where your room has a view. Yeah. Um, or the ballroom has a view. Yeah, well, and that's what I was thinking, like, Something like that, um, I think that's really important, especially if you're going to like a destination. Like mm -hmm. you want to feel like you went to more than just the hotel. Mm -hmm. uh, as well as like, I mean, you you have to have basically what you would want for your ideal choreographer instructor. You want the heart. You want it to be welcoming. You want it to feel engaging and loved. You want it to be able to relate to people there. Um, and you want things to work the way they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. So um, good air circulation, um, good lighting, good uh, food. You know, that's huge. Having water, having, you know, some type of beverage there. Um, just that kind of experience where you have options of things and you're able to maybe even, I mean, like, like I said, Vegas Lobby had a really good job of the choreographers coming in to the lobby and being there and like mingling with the people and talking with them and eating lunch with them. But like having those kind of opportunities besides just the social dance, I think it, I think it really helps make the events. Um, having the dinners with the choreographers, having um, maybe like 
just in general, like, yeah, tonight we're not going to do anything. We're not going to have a dance. We're going to go to the local pub and watch the Super Bowl. You know, I'm kind of sad we missed that, even though I'm not really a Super Bowl person. Um, because it's just a chance to, like, really hang out and mingle and, and really meet the people on a social aspect as opposed to just, you know, I do this for a living. I, I'm a dance instructor or something like that. Seeing them at Coyote Joe's that first night before the event started also, like, I've, to see them at a country bar, like, how would they even c- deal with, like, right. a normal sticky floor, things like that? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think a lot of these events... Granted, I've only been to a few of them, so I, I take that with a learning curve ahead of me. Um, I think it's just having that really welcoming, accommodating, and memorable experience that you know people look for. Mm-hmm. That's why we go to these events. You know, we want to make the memories. We want to have something to cherish. Because we can all just learn from a step sheet and a video and our local instructor the same dances that are being taught at these events, but we go for a reason. More fragrances. If we're going for memories, I think that there can be more attention paid to nice smells. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's, well, how is that even related to dance? But if you're trying to give people an overall well-rounded sensory experience, they're already taken care of physically by nice floors and temperature control. Uh, because those are the two things they're physically interacting with is like the floor and their skin uh, and like the air on their skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then visually, you want to have pretty things for them to look at, so nice lights, um, clean spaces. And then smell-wise, you can cover that with you know whatever, like mints left at the front table or on the DJ booth or yeah. just little fragrant things here and there, maybe some air fresheners plugged in or whatever. Um, or just a clean overall smell, like new car smell for the, for the uh, ballroom. Or, or fresh linen. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I actually have a note here that I had forgotten a, a, about. Uh, I, I have here, Roy at a country bar is a step down even if it impresses. I think at the time I wrote that, I was imagining <laughs> what would it be like if he were at Stoney's. And even if he like blew everybody away with what he was able to do, I wouldn't want to put him through that. Like Maybe, <laughs> maybe he enjoys country bars. I have no idea. But it, I feel like it wouldn't raise Stoney's up. It would just kind of... <laughs> Tarnished Roy? <laughs> Not in my eyes or anything, but just like I wouldn't want him to have to. I want like the best things for him. And like maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he, he, he would ex- accept anything that's fun. But like I don't want him to have to deal with like a sticky floor. I want him to have like the environment that best augments everything he's able to do. I don't want him to just have to adapt. I want to just like, I don't know. It's that pedestal again. Like I'm putting, <laughs> I'm putting like all these things Red around carpet. him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want these like amazing people to have to. Um, it's funny tone themselves down. You, you say that, but then like I think of how Joe would be at a country bar. She would be great. <laughs> she would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she would just like. Oh gosh, I could just, I could just see it. It's gonna be one big amazing fun party celebration of life kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And you figure Trevor teaches at, you know, the barn regularly and like there are people who are all about that country bar environment and like they that thrive. That also in it. do that also do like, you know, major circuit events too. Right. Yeah. And then you have like the really fancy people like Fred and, and Raymond Sarlemagne and whatnot. And, like I just it'd be hard to imagine them there. Like I feel like they would have such a 
um, oh, a modified know. time. I think Fred could could manage. Maybe like he, I mean I, he's he's hip hop enough that he would like get his groove on with yeah. those kinds of dances and I'm not, friction doesn't. I matter. haven't seen enough of of Raymond's stuff to know mm. like or to even like assume. Maybe it's about their strengths. Like if they played some like really Latin things, then like you could see that he has a bit of home uh, in the music that's being played. Yeah, and it's not so foreign anymore. Because like he has that thing that he knows he's really good at, yeah. So Certainly. maybe that's what Roy would need—just some like silly like party night or electric or whatever—so that it's not you know a bad floor slowing down his smooth gliding, but it's just a let's all run around and jump jump up and down kind of a dance. I don't know. I'd love to see Roy do the beast at Stoney's. I see so many people just draw jaw dropping like in awe, like just yeah. what. Is this madness? Let's see. I think the last note that I had... Especially with his duck quacking. (laughs) (laughs) And swimming. Uh, Let's see. I've got one here that says, What would chase each individual off of the scene? Safeguard against casuals leaving. Oh, and I don't know whether this was related. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But it's on the next line. Study cults. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, in, in a positive way, not the life-destroying, well, I mean, blackmailing I, way. I guess you could uh, look at any kind of fandom as a cult. <laughs> Pedro, in one of the videos from uh, the first Vegas I went to, um, though actually it wasn't at that one, it was shortly after that one, I think, uh, he said, like, this is Lion Dance, we're a family, we're a cult, you should join us. Yeah, I mean, I I've um, definitely have referenced uh, Drink the Kool-Aid a couple times. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, what is it that would make people <laughs> unsure whether this is their scene or this is... I, I also have a note here that says, um, uh, let's see, are these line dance family friendships available for everyone or just a select few? And then I think underneath that, I don't know if this is related, but it's on the next line, rhetorical question. I think it must have been related. Here, here's the thing. The way I see it is there is several different levels of the line dance family. I agree. Um, And I feel myself very, very fortunate to feel a part of the core family. Whether I've done anything that I feel like I have contributed is a whole different story because I really don't. (laughs) But to feel as welcomed as I have by Kat and Brenda and Ruben and Rebecca and Joe. I mean, Amy. Amy. I mean, there's like Simon even. Like I, I had so many funny conversations with him in Vegas. Like Joe Kinzer, who invited you. Right, Joe and John and Chris. I mean, like Maddie. I mean, everybody. Like they've... They're so amazing, and I love these people so much, and I feel like I have to find out something I can do to give back to them Mm -hmm. because of how much they have all given to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I count myself as very, very fortunate to even be able to call them by their first names. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that I could imagine calling them anything else, (laughs) you know, and that's really cool. But makes it easier for me to call myself Christopher since we have a Chris Watson out there. <laughs> um, but then I also look at my SoCal people. You know, Elliot, 
and Clea and Emily and Camille and Alex. Alex and Jackie and Jacqueline and Jennifer and Jono and Rick and I mean there's so many people that are a different kind of family but still a part of the same world um, and then you even go as far as into my people here Sonoma County um, Brenda and the ladies well I was yeah I mean obviously them I include them more towards like the Joe circuit world side than the SoCal or here. Um, I was thinking of like Celine and mm. my cousin Jennifer and Sarah like and the like post Mavericks crowd. Yes, I mean they're they are a dance family. That is who I started with. That is my my core little group here. Um, and I know, although I no longer have that relationship with them. I know that um, the Cowtown Cowgirls feel like a family mm. for each other. I, like, I know that because I've been a part of it. So I know that there's different levels in which you can have a family in this line dance world. So if you're looking at it as, as that fact, I think yes, absolutely. Everybody can be a part of this world. Everybody can find a family in this world. It just depends on which level you at the time can relate to. Mm. Um, and that's why I say I feel myself so blessed to have such a wide variety now that I have people in Malaysia, people in Australia, people all over the United States that I can consider my family. Um, it's a very special feeling to know that I can say I love my dance family and have people all over the world comment like, yes, me too, or hearts or anything like that. Whether I was specifically referencing them today or I was specifically res re uh, referring to somebody else that did something for me that just so happens to be a part of that family, it's still such a wide net that I can cast and hit everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to think that I could, for instance, post something saying, help, I need suggestions. And then like, Giard messaged me. Madison messaged me. And it's like, oh my gosh, these people, they're responding to me. Oh my gosh, I feel so loved, you know? And then have... That represents, I mean, it just occurred to me, also Rhonda. Yes. Because you have Canada, Australia, and then California. Yeah. Like, I mean... You've I've, never met in person. No, I've, I haven't, unfortunately. <laughs> Hopefully soon that'll be fixed mm -hmm. but um so many different people are so willing to be helpful in line dance and in the community and in this giant family that I feel really sad for those who don't get to experience it because of whatever hang-up they have about line dance, whether it's they think it's just country music or they don't like that the new stuff includes their arm movements or whatever their hang-up may be. Like, it's so disappointing to think that they're going to miss out on something so special. Mm. Um, but maybe that's also why it is so special. Mm. It's because not everybody is willing to give it its, you know, due service. It's like that Randy Pausch quote uh, that the brick walls are not meant to keep you out. They're meant to keep out everyone else who isn't willing to try to climb over them. Yeah. So, I don't know.
I hope everybody finds whatever they can to have this kind of feeling, but mm -hmm. I know line dance is, is what it is for me. Mm -hmm. so. And as far as uh, what chases each individual off, I guess uh, as a remedy to something like where it says safeguardians, casuals leaving, um, really make them feel welcome and show them immediately they don't have to like earn your attention or kindness by knowing this or that dance. <laughs> they can know nothing and have just shown up there because they were dragged there by friends. But if you show them the sort of welcoming uh, that other people have shown us, then uh, that might be enough for them to think this might be worth you know, trying out one of the lessons. I try really hard. Next week. I try really hard to be aware of that kind of stuff when it comes to um, specifically at Stoney's. Um, I know I'm very, very social at like Hot Monk and uh, as well, um, but Stoney's for some reason like that is like just one of those places that I feel like it's my responsibility mm -hmm. um, because of what it's done for me. Mm -hmm. That you know, I, I talk to people like I know there was a couple times during your, your lesson that there was a couple girls sitting off to the side and their friends were on the dance floor. I'm like, come on, get out here, you chickens! You know, try to like, <laughs> and they were like, yes, we're big chickens, big chickens. No, we're not going to. And then like you know, later on, I you know, I, I walked up to them and I was like, you know, well, I'm sorry that you guys didn't get out there, but hopefully next time. And they're like, yeah, maybe next time. You know, like, and. I made a point of other people when they're like trying on the dance floor to pick up a dance if it's one that I know that I can walk them through real quick I try and make that point and afterwards be like dude seriously one more wall and you would have had that because that's almost always the case when it comes to line dancing one more wall and you pretty much had the dance um, and I've made a lot of friends that way whether it be very casual friends that you only see in a blue moon or people like Lacey you know where you've just bonded with the person and that's all because of making a conscious effort for one, if not both parties, to be welcoming and kind. And just mm -hmm. consider it, mm -hmm. you know? I, I really hope that there will, be con there will continue to be people that can walk me through things like Lacey did. Um, and if that's the case, then I hope that I can be that for somebody else as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's one of the easiest ways to safeguard from losing people is just being courteous mm -hmm. and considerate and remember, you know, you were there too. Yep. All right. Well, that seems like a good place to pause for now. Uh, we may or may not be back. We'll probably be back. We'll we haven't hit the back. full five hours yet. Uh, and it's only nine. Yeah, it's early. So <laughs> we might take a little dance break and get some water and lemonade and whatnot. And uh, yeah, we'll very likely uh, be chatting with you again soon.